The Athletic. Coming up, how Real Madrid won the race to sign Jude Bellingham and why he chose La Liga over the Premier League. I'm Mark Chapman. This is The Athletic Football Podcast. Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. We're talking about Jude Bellingham. Langer Ball in die Spitze. Brandt auf Bellingham. Bellingham, 9 Meter. Bellingham, 6 Bellingham shrugs off. Silas. Jude Bellingham! As we reported exclusively on The Athletic yesterday, Real Madrid is said to pay Borussia Dortmund more than £86 million, or $107 million, for Jude Bellingham in what will be one of the highest value transfers in the history of both clubs. He's a new, a modern midfielder. This is why everyone wants him, because he can do almost everything. That's excellent, Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant, Jude Bellingham! We're joined today by The Athletic's German football writer, Raf Honigstein, and Dermot Corrigan, who is in Spain. First, though, David Ornstein broke the story yesterday. Here he is with all the details on Jude Bellingham going to Real Madrid. Thanks, Mark. Yep, as we reported exclusively on The Athletic yesterday, Real Madrid is set to pay Borussia Dortmund more than £86 million, or $107 million, for Jude Bellingham in what will be one of the highest value transfers in the history of both clubs. The deal isn't yet signed, but that's among the formalities that will follow, with Bellingham expected to undergo a medical in the coming days. So one of, if not the biggest moves of the summer, wrapped up nice and early. As David finished with there, wrapped up nice and early. Does that say more about how Dortmund do things or how Madrid do things? Raf, go first. I think it's a combination of two. I think the pressure to do this early would have come from Dortmund because they need to reinvest for Real Madrid. It doesn't really matter all that much when, when he's coming. But I think that was the key. You'll recall maybe that they put real pressure on Erling Haaland last year to make a decision early uh, to leave. The same was done with Jadon Sancho, where he left to Man United two years ago. So they have a habit of anticipating these moves well in advance. They don't just start making phone calls the moment the player leaves. They would have had things in place, and I'm sure we'll hear about replacements coming in in the next few weeks or so. But still, they need to get this deal done, they need to have the money. And because they are a PLC, they also have to make these public declarations whenever a deal is done or is close to being done, because otherwise it could be seen as as insider trading when, when things move without an official confirmation. Uh, so all these things, I think, contribute to Dortmund doing it in a very yeah, kind of institutional, regulated way, uh, knowing that these guys are going to go and looking for the least amount of drama uh, possible. And from a Madrid point of view, Dermot? It kind of shows how Madrid are, have become a bit more rational in how they, they do their transfer business over the last while. Like Florentino, during his first term in charge, it was all about like throwing money around, making as big a splash as possible, um, different markets that they wanted to, to exploit, all, all that kind of stuff. Whereas more recently, they have been building a squad, investing in young players, like people like Vinicius or Chuameni last year as well, that they have kind of come around to or, or learn from from what's happened in the past and they'll be happy to, to sign Bellingham. It is a lot of money and they do have a lot of good young midfielders as well, but it's kind of seen as a, yeah, as a, as a logical, rational type of investment as opposed to, you know, splashing the cash on whoever is the, the biggest name in football at the moment. Well, what, what they have now, as we've touched on before on, on previous pods, they've, they've, 
they've got their next generation now, haven't they? I mean, not not just Bellingham, but the the deals that they've done over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, a couple of years ago, Florentino started talking quite openly, like even at the the Madrid AGMs when he talks to the socios and gives it a kind of a insider in a way, but gives a way of, of what he's feeling that they they knew they couldn't compete with with PSG and Man City and, and even Chelsea and maybe Newcastle. Who, who knows what's going to happen? So they had decided to do things like, you know, sign Vinicius for, from Brazil or even in Spain as well. They tried to sign people like Danny Ceballos and, and Marco Asensio, which didn't work out as well as, as they hoped. But they have kind of thought about, you know, we, we can no longer go out and sign, you know, Beckham one year and Figo the next year and Zidane the next year and, and do things like that. Uh, and they've identified Bellingham as, you know, one of the emerging superstars in the world game. It's also important to them, I think, that he's like an English speaker looking at, at how where Madrid want to, to grow and want to, um, you know, get more fans, get more sponsors and everything. So he ticks a lot of boxes for them and they've moved quickly. As Raf says, it's probably more likely that Dortmund wanted to get it out of the way than, than Madrid. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of unusual to think of Madrid as this kind of coolly logical, rational transfer market player, but that, that's what they have become. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with Dermot, although it does say a little bit of where football is that a deal that will easily go to 130 million euros is seen as like super shrewd and cheap. Um, I guess the fact that he is 19 makes it a lot easier because you'll you'll have a lot of time to get your money's worth from a player like that. Um, I think he signed a six-year deal uh, or maybe five plus one. Um, And if he sticks around for a little bit longer, that, that, that money will seem very very cheap in the end and I think Real Madrid low-key have been really transforming their image as you said from a from a club that used to be known for really just going after who's the latest sort of sexy um, big star name that we can get and we have to then undermine the other club by putting pressure on that player to come up publicly saying, I want to go to Madrid in all these games they used to play to just becoming a lot more uh, business savvy, shrewd. And that transition is already nearly completed. Uh, I think they've been very, very impressive in how they've dealt in the transfer market. It's quite like Raf, isn't it? The, the, you talk about the amount of money spent on this player, but... I mean, there are. It's quite similar to Manchester United buying Wayne Rooney all those years ago, which was a ridiculous amount of money at the time. It sounds it doesn't sound anything now, really, within the football world. But thirty million pounds. But you you buy a teenager, and if it pays off, which you know with Rooney wasn't guaranteed, and with Bellingham it's not guaranteed. But you you put a sizable chunk on it paying off, wouldn't you? You've got a player for for a decade and more, and that's good value. Absolutely. It, it, it hasn't yet worked out with Jadon Sancho. Uh, so a word of caution, they spent similar money, not, not quite the same, but uh, they were hoping for a much bigger impact from him. I think Bellingham is a different type of player, obviously, but also different character, uh, much more, I think, resilient, uh, much more all-action and being a leader at such a young age um, we all laughed when Birmingham retired the shirt when he was as a 17-year-old. But I think we're beginning to understand the kind of impact he has on teams. At Dortmund, he was, towards the end, the first name on the team sheet. Maybe not throughout the whole season, always quite at the highest level. He's had a few ups and downs, also with injuries. But over the spell of, the, of his three years there, I think you'll be 
having a hard time finding one player that has been more consistently impactful for this team. Not just through the tangible stuff, the goals, the assists, the tackles, but the kind of presence and charisma that he, he brought to the side. Uh, the accusation that Dortmund has long been and continues to be, um, I guess, after falling at the final hurdle in the Bundesliga without Jaden, uh, without um, Jude Bellingham, we should say, that they lack that metal, that they lack that uh, mental uh, resilience, that strength. And he epitomized that. He had it in spades. And I think his emotional impact on the team was, was really valuable as well. The only parts that people have seen Bellingham really in, in Spain has been when he played against Seville in the, the Champions League last year. And he was he was kind of super young. Nobody had really seen him at all. And it was a similar impact that um, that Haaland had, like just that he was able to, as a teenager, kind of take control of a game. And he really like uh, use his, his talent, but also his kind of mental strength to impose himself on a game and, and take it away. And Madrid would have taken notice of that. It is kind of weird to see how they're going to fit him in because they're still supposed to be a re-signing Cruz and Modric that that looks like it's going to go ahead like Kamav- they've signed Kamavinga and Chuameni who are both like also equally super promising there's no rush though is there I mean there's no ru- I mean you'd think maybe if you spend 100 million pounds on a player there is but but there's no rush he doesn't want to come to Madrid to, to sit up, sit on the bench Um, he looks to me again Raf might know more but he looks to me like a very kind of focused motivated confident guy who wants to go out and, and eat up the world kind of like Kamavinga they had, kind of had to fit him in at left back Valverde has had to be fit in on the wing, but they're good problems to have for, from Madrid's point of view. And, you know, Florentino Perez won't be too worried about, about that kind of thing. It's kind of up to Ancelotti to, to fit them all together. Yeah, I think Ancelotti will have a lot of man management to do, uh, keep, keeping all these guys happy, both the young guys who have come there, of course, with a, the with a promise and the expectation to be regular straight away, especially for that kind of money. Um, but also keeping Kroos and Modric on the side who are still going to be important. Um if they can phase them out without offending them and without upsetting the hierarchy and the team dynamics, it's going to be a masterpiece of man management. He is a considered man with considered people around him, Dermot. Every move that he has made in his career isn't just like, well, where's the money and where's the glory? It's, well, how will I develop? How will my game develop? How will my career develop by moving to this club? He strikes me as the kind of individual who you could say, well, look, Luka Modric and Tony Cruz are still going to be here for for another year. And he'd probably go, okay, well, I want to play with them alongside them. I don't want to be on the bench, but I'm happy to learn from them. For sure. And both Modric and Cruz are that type of character where, like, that they will help the younger players as they come into the team. And, you know, Modric is going to be 37 soon. He can't go on forever. And it's still not 100% sure that he's going to stay at Madrid. All the indications are that the, the deal is there, but hasn't been, been signed yet. Fascinating to see as kind of the insight that you get from working from the Atletica and the great reporting that, that all the, the other colleagues do, just how considered these moves are, that people like like Bellingham or like Vinicius or the, these kind of young stars have so many people around them and that everything is it's like a little industry themselves where everything is thought out and, and moved ahead. And to compare that to to kind of 10 years ago when you had, I know, Neymar making kind of crazy moves all over the place or even looking at Messi now when he's deciding where he's going to go, whether it's going to be Saudi Arabia or or Miami or, or back to Barcelona. And it all seems kind of as if it could change in 24 hours about what's going to happen. Whereas with Bellingham, it's like we've had a, a career plan 
you know, he's going to go to Germany. It's going to work out well. Dortmund is like the best place, you know, maybe in the world to to spend a few years to to progress in in a good environment where you're going to like technically learn a lot, tactically learn a lot, kind of emotionally and professionally as well to take on board what happens there. And 19 is very young to be moving to Real Madrid. Like a lot of players, like looking back on it, you know, you go to Madrid when you're 23, 24, people like Ronaldo or, or Bale, even Modric when, when he moved to, to Madrid had been, you know, had spent a lot of time kind of, you know, had hundreds of games at, at pro level under their belts, whereas if people are getting younger and younger. But it, it looks like Bellingham has the the preparation there and is, is ready for it. I had a friend say to me this morning, you know, to be 19 and, and have chosen to go and play in Germany for a period of your career and then go and play in Spain for a period of, of your career. How is is seriously impressive, and I think most people would would agree with that. How much, Raf, did he buy into Dortmund and everything that came with living in Germany? Do you know? I mean, what's what's his German like? And by the way, there's no right or wrong answer to what his German's like. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just interested into. Well, you know both what it's like to work in your not your native country, how much did he embrace it? He did, although it has to be said that in his first year it was COVID. So the impact was limited. Uh, he didn't play into in a full stadium for, for a long time. He wasn't able to really uh, embrace much of the city life for a full time. Anyway, Dortmund is the kind of city where it's hard for players to uh, to walk around because everyone's just just after them and a lot of them live in in different places like Dusseldorf for example which is just up down the road but a lot quieter and slightly more beautiful a little shade on Dortmund there (laughs) (laughs) I think that's uh it's not a matter of opinion um I think that we didn't see necessarily the, the strong bond that you get with a player that comes through the Dortmund system or has become a cult hero through being there for six, five, six, seven years. I think the Dortmund fans are very realistic from from recent experiences with the likes of Haaland and Jadon Sancho and a few others before that they knew this was not going to be an eternal love affair, that this was going to be more of a fling uh, with the end already baked in at the beginning which I think then dampens the emotions a little bit because you almost prepare yourself for the end. But um, they loved him. They uh, enjoyed the way he played. They always got the sense that he really wanted the whole team to win, that it was not just about him, that he felt what the fans feel. And I think that is really the most important thing, that you want the player to realise how much it means to the fans. And I think he always did. So not necessarily somebody who's going to maybe have one day a statue in Dortmund or have his shirt retired uh, after those three years. But I think they will look back on him very fondly. And just to pick up on, on your earlier point, I think from experience, moving abroad is when you're young, forces you to grow up and forces you to be more independent and more adaptive. And you have to learn to do things differently to what you used to and of course that same thing in a more extreme version applies to footballers who apart from their private life everything changes also have to change a lot of the methodology of their work and I think to do it successfully in Germany and I'm sure to do it successfully in Spain I think when he's 25 26 
he's probably going to be miles ahead of anyone else who just spent the whole time at one club doing the same thing over and over again. And uh, I think we're going to see, this is a prediction, um, Bellingham stick around in football for many, many more years, become a coach, maybe become a sporting director. I think he's got that sort of personality and he'll have the sort of experience yeah, and, and life skills, I think, to do all that really, really well. Real Madrid, Dermot, will will expect him to to properly buy in, won't they? Though I mean, Raf talked about a fling in in Dortmund. This, this they will want to be a marriage, and uh, you know you don't want to lump people in together. But but Gareth Bale will be for all his on pitch success. Bellingham will will presumably look at that and see where the pitfalls are. Yeah, you would imagine so. Like Bale, even as I was writing yesterday for the Athletic about why players kind of moved to Madrid, uh, was looking back at stuff he'd done before, and there was quotes from Bale about how much he, how big a, how happy he was to be at Madrid, and how big a challenge it was, and how he, he kind of it was the biggest club that could be, the biggest stage he could be on. He was happy to be there, but he he never really embraced life in in Madrid, in the Spanish capital, Spanish culture, like personality wise, he just wasn't, just wasn't that interested in it, Did, didn't want to get into it. And I think Madrid will have, will have learned from that because for a while there was a lot of protection for Bale um, in, in the Spanish press that even when he started to get injured and started not to, to, you know, be playing week in, week out in La Liga and performing week in, week out, there was protection from him there from the, the Bernabeu hierarchy and their links to the local media. That kind of ebbed away over time. And by the end of it, Bale was almost like a, a weapon that, that local pundits could use to, to get at the club or to get at Florentino Perez, and they won't want that to happen with Bellingham. So they, they'd be delighted, and you would imagine that when Bellingham is presented, he'll talk about how you know he's really keen to learn Spanish and how he wants to to get involved and how he's always, you know, he wants to visit the Prado and you know, all, all the things that 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 should be said. And people like Kieran Trippier, for instance, when he came to Atletico a few years ago, was really good at his his presentation. He saw it as like a an adventure, like a life experience that he and his family were going to be able to do. Bellingham's still very young and maybe that that will come over time. But from everything Raf is saying there as well, that it looks like he's somebody who will take that on board and will be be open to to following the the guidance maybe that he gets from Madrid and to to embracing Spanish culture as much as he can. W- within that, he he'd be within the, the football bubble where you don't have that much time to go to to museums or or, or around the parks. And as well in with Ancelotti and with with David Ancelotti, who's there as well. Like there's a lot of experience there. There's English language skills there. Like the, the, it's not the the kind of Madrid that maybe that Beckham and Michael Owen went into like 15 years ago, where you know they kind of felt a little bit. You know, it was hard to get into the dressing room. It was hard to make friends. It was hard to do stuff. Like they have moved on. Madrid as a club have moved on from then, and and they'll do a lot more to help and sell in. And it helps if you get off to a good start, doesn't it? Just ask Jonathan Woodgate. <laughs> Hopefully, he won't get sent off and then injured when he comes back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Can Madrid go again this summer? And if so, how? How? That's always the question around Madrid is where, where they managed to find the money to, to, to spend all the time. Um, and they have they were hit by COVID. They have redeveloped the Bernabeu, which is uh, going to open up again within the next 12 months. They've spent a lot of money on that. They've done kind of a bit 
more quietly than Barcelona have, they have also activated their own kind of levers in in they've done deals around their new stadium, around like future match day revenues that they're going to be able to spend at, at the moment because they think that if you invest it now, then it'll pay off. And they really do want to fill the new stadium and get the best out of it when, when it comes. So they need a new center forward for sure, more than they need a new young, you know, box to box midfielder. They, they definitely need a new center forward with, with Benzema having gone. But they they saved up to buy Mbappe. That was the plan for for years was to to spend two hundred million plus on Mbappe plus whatever wages he was going to have. And they have been shedding people off the wage bill in the last couple of years. Like Hazard has, has agreed to go, which is a big kind of weight off the the books. They've lost people like Isco and Bale and Marcelo. They had they had a lot of guys who they were paying a lot of money to who weren't that productive for the team. Most of those. Pretty much all of those have have gone now. Could they go another hundred million again on a on a striker? If Harry Kane was available and if they decided to go for him, they could afford him for sure. It's a couple of just kind of murmurs and stuff. It's interesting this morning just looking around at, at the the papers and talking to a few people about like the sensations. And Harry Kane's not as as hot as he was even even a couple of days ago. But that that could all be part of a, a kind of negotiating tactic as well. I think it, they know they need a new centre forward. And Charlie was very clear about it that they need a new centre forward. And yeah, if they need to to spend the money, they'll find it. Who's hotter than Kane for them then? If he's not as hot as he was two days ago, nobody like appeared to fill the gap, which made me feel that it was more likely to be a, a negotiating right. tactic that, than anything else. Um, but they need it. They need a few. Yeah, the, the person mentioned in the story was Jose Lu, the Espanol centre forward, the ex Newcastle and, and Stoke, who is very likely to join. But he'd be more of a of a backup, a, a, a plan B type off the bench or a guy for the Copa del Rey games. Yeah, I, I would still imagine Kane is is plan A. Do you think all the other major European clubs are are thinking, how are they doing this, Raf? Mm, not so much. I think by by association or by comparison with Barcelona, they they look like they're the, the, the very smart and very well run. And maybe even if we take Barcelona out of the equation, I mean, Real Madrid are a cash, cash machine. And uh, if you look over their spending over the last few years, at least the one that shows up in terms of transfer fees, they actually haven't spent all that much. Uh, and as Dermot has said, that there's been a lot of money seemingly being held back for uh, either Mbappe or Erling Haaland. And I think that is still the, the end game for Madrid. The problem they seem to have is I think that the timings don't align anymore. I think the idea was to have Benzema one more year and then really go after either Kylian or, or, or Haaland. Now they have to bring that forward, and now I think they're forced with a with a difficult choice. Do you just sign somebody who's going to fill the gap until you get who you really want, who's going to be your main centre forward for the next um, five, six years? Or are you trying to bring that forward, knowing that it's going to be very, very difficult to find somebody of that required um, quality? So I think the Benzema thing has probably thrown a few spanners in the work as far as their overall strategy is concerned. Not that many people can play centre forward for Real Madrid. Like it is a, it's a kind of an apex predator type of a, a person that you need to be or a, a a role to fill. You can't sign like a 19 year old and hope that he will come through and all like that. That just doesn't really work for, for Real Madrid. They tried it with Luka Jovic and it just wasn't, yeah, wasn't like, right. With Vinicius and with Rodrigo on, on the wings, they have two guys who are who are you know emerging to be like Vinicius, especially like superstars. And Rodrigo is also very very good. Like he's he's on the way to being like a, a really top top striker. But you you need to have somebody who will fit with them as well. And Benzema was perfect for that. That he could drop deep, he could play them in, he could link with them. 
he also could kind of just guide them a little bit about where they need to be and where they need to go. He, he was that clever. It's hard to see anybody else outside of Kane who would fill that role from, from here anyway. I Like you look at the people that talk about Havertz maybe, but he's a different type of a of a centre forward for sure. Maybe he will drop deep and everything, but he's not going to get also get the, the 30, 40 goals that, that you need to do as a, as a Madrid centre forward. So if you're Daniel Levy and if you're Tottenham, you're in a pretty good position because there's not very many other options. And everybody always talks about how what a great negotiator Levy is or what a tough negotiator Levy is. Florentino as well, they have really good links there, but you can kind of see it dragging on maybe over the summer, but it's hard to see another kind of plan B that Madrid might have that would be in any way as good as Kane. Just a, a final one on the bigger picture for both leagues. With the Bundesliga, Raf, I don't think we ever have conversations about the pull of a certain star playing in, in the Bundesliga when it comes to getting foreign eyeballs on it, which is a conversation we often have about La Liga. But what, bearing in mind it was a Dortmund-Bayern title down to the last couple of minutes, does this start to show... As we've seen before, Dortmund have challenged, they'll get picked off and Bayern will be clear of everybody else again for a while. That might well happen, but I don't think it has anything to do with Bellingham as such. Uh, they knew that Bellingham was going to go. Um, the worst case, which was never really on the cards, was that he'd go to Bayern. Uh, after that, it doesn't really matter uh, for them, nor, nor for Bayern. Of course, Bayern are happy that he's gone because he was a big factor. But Bayern also know, as we saw now with Sebastian Allaire coming in for Erling Haaland and them actually doing better uh, in terms of the overall uh, output, that Dortmund have a way of, of finding the next Bellinghams and the next Sancho's and the next, uh, and the next Haaland. So I don't think anything's really going to change. What, of course, will go down is the interest from, from English-speaking media. I mean, Bellingham was a huge draw and everyone came over and Gareth Southgate used it as an excuse to go to nice games uh, in Munich and Dortmund whenever he could watch him. Uh, that's going to stop for, for a bit. Um, Jamie Bino-Gittens uh, is a young player that Dortmund have who maybe will, will take up the mantle. Unfortunately, he's been uh, really struggling with a, a nasty shoulder injury, but he's got amazing skills and uh, real talent and Dortmund have high hopes for him if he can get his body body to work so yeah it's it's a loss it's definitely a loss because especially if you consider that Sancho Bellingham and Haaland the three of them together sadly only had had that one year which you would have liked it to be a little bit longer if only Musiala had picked England, Gareth, Gareth could still be could still be going over, couldn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as as far as La Liga is concerned, what what does this deal change for them? I may be looking at it from a very narrow minded parochial English point of view, but Raf has pointed out, you know, the English speaking travellers who who would go over to Dortmund to cover Bellingham, watch Bellingham. There'll be a greater influx of that, but. Does it does it change other markets for them at this stage? It's very important for Madrid to have English speaking and English like a, a players who are a big focus in England. Like Bale, the idea with Bale was that he would be huge for for the marketing and for sponsors and everything. Bale, you know, personality wise, wasn't a great fit. I'm not sure how Bale will turn out to to be in that way. But Madrid really like to have somebody like that. And here it has been sold a lot as Madrid having shown again that they can take on the the Premier League and that players 
the allure of coming to the Bernabeu and winning the Champions League, the potential to win the Ballon d'Or is something that you can only do at Madrid or that if you go to Man City or Man United or, or Liverpool or whoever, that it's less likely to happen. And Madrid are very proud of that, what they would see as a fact or, or that kind of narrative that, that is pushed. And they see that as big. For a general Spanish sports fan, I, I wouldn't say Bellingham is like a huge signing. It's not like a big Galactico. They're not that aware of him, maybe, as, as people in England like because he's played so well for England in, in the tournaments, it's like he's seen as, you know, a, a huge, big emerging superstar. Whereas in Madrid um, or in Spain, generally, you know, he still has to to show them that that he's capable of doing it. I, I'm sure he he does have the ability to go on and do that, but it's not seen as like a generational type of signing or we've captured like a Beckham or Figo or, or whoever. It, it's kind of seen as, oh, that's Madrid doing really well again and signing another Camavinga or another Chuamani or another Vinicius. Um, so... Yeah, it, it, it's getting back to what I said at the start. It, it's kind of a it's how Madrid have matured, maybe, or how we've come around to see Madrid as not being that like spontaneous, just going out to get the, the next bright thing. It's doing that future planning, and and Bang just seems to be right in, in that line. And people kind of trust that Florentino knows what he's doing, that Madrid know what he's doing, as opposed to going like, oh, we needed to get him, and now we have him, and so we're happy. Dermot, Raf, we will leave it there. Thank you both. Uh, you can read more on Bellingham on The Athletic, which is where you can also read about the other big transfer news of the week, which is Messi to Miami. And just before we finish, The Athletic has a new podcast called Go Deeper, where we'll be bringing you the important stories you need to know. To start with, Adam Leventhal has gone to Turkey to see the impact of the devastating earthquakes on football there. And in a two-part series, he'll take you through the realities of surviving a natural disaster and the scale of the destruction, including a visit to the home of Christian Atsu. Just search for Go Deeper wherever you're listening now. The Athletic.